2019 True Blue LA podcast. Eric Steven, have I been traded to the Reds? You know what? Uh, it was not yet. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's it, there. There's there's scouts talking about it, um, and there's in, there's definite interest, but nothing nothing is finalized just yet. Maybe I'm not enough of a fan favorite to make it over there. I know Kyle Farmer, right? Like <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna refer gonna to this missed. as the Kyle Farmer trade, right? Yeah, there's no question. The the big trades in Dodger recent Dodger history are the the Nick Punto trade, uh, now the uh, Charlie Culberson trade, now the the Kyle Farmer trade. So yeah, exactly. So this this went down right before Christmas. This trade and like, the Reds. and like right right after we recorded like what we had sort of said, oh, this is going to be our last episode of the year unless something big happens. And then, like, almost right away it happened, but, like, we didn't, we couldn't really get together to record. So and I tweeted weird. you as a joke, are, are we going to have to record one more time about something stupid, uh, something oh, unrelated? Uh, yeah, was it, uh, man, I'm trying to think. I don't remember what, what the, what your impetus of your... Uh, it might have been, like, a Bryce Harper rumor, probably. Yeah. And I was joking and that they, they would get it done, and then instead... I just remember I was like going to get lunch and like I looked, I stopped to look at my phone and like that's when all the stuff was going down. Like, hey, I think Jeff Passan reported at first, like the Dodgers and Reds are about to make a significant trade. And I was like, oh, maybe we will record. <laughs> like, who knew? But like, yeah, it just didn't work out. But And the trade yeah, happened okay. and I thought about yeah. messaging you and saying, hey, we should really record about this. But the the makings of the final trade is such a setup, it feels like a setup move. That I'm, I thought surely something else is about to go down. I'll wait for that before I sort of force you to record over Christmas, and that that has not happened. Yeah, I, I, it, it's weird. Like this uh, baseball today is weird. Um, yeah, so it's let, very, let's, let's break it down. Yeah. Who did the Dodgers okay. get? They're, no, let's okay. talk about who they lost. We know, we know Nothing. these names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, what the Dodgers got was um, like uh, at the moment, like. Uh, like a uh, if it, if it stands on its own, like if we're just evaluating this on its own, what they basically got was a blank or like an empty glove to like slap fans across the face with, dual style. Like, wow. but uh, no, I don't know. It was it wasn't that bad. But um, okay, so the main the main trade is Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, uh, Alex Wood, Kyle Farmer, to, and uh, seven million dollars to the Reds. For Homer Bailey um, and two prospects who I don't have their names. Um, Jose, uh, Jeter Downs is one, and Josiah Gray is the other one, I believe. Um, they're like they're decent enough prospects, I guess. But so, but then as part of the deal, um, Homer Bailey's salary uh, was really the thing of the trade because he was released. He had a no trade clause. Uh, he, the, he, like Adrian Gonzalez last year, agreed to the deal so he could be released and be a free agent. So the Dodgers took on the $28 million he had remaining, basically as an offset to the salary they were giving up. So 
all in all, this was a pure salary dump trade. Like, in um, you, one way you look at it, like, uh, I was talking with David Young about this uh, over the weekend, actually, and he kind of, the way he sort of had it in his head, and I kind of agree with this a little bit, it's basically like Kemp plus $7 million is, uh, from a pure cash standpoint, is $28.5 million. Um, and uh, Bailey was due 28, so that's kind of a wash. And then you're basically trading Wood and Puig for two, like one year of each until uh, they reach free agency for two uh, for a pro- one prospect each. So that's kind of what the deal broke down to. I mean, Farmer's in there too. We don't want to like completely discount him, but and um, Matt Kemp has some value, whereas Homer Bailey had zero. Right, right. Homer Bailey has like had like a six ERA for like four years yeah. running, and he's mostly been hurt. Like, well, especially if you're, if you're trading for him, knowing that you're releasing him, like that is exactly oh, yeah. zero value. Whereas Matt Kemp, sure, oh, right. you know, probably looks more like his second half last year than his first half, but still has some value uh, in a twenty-five man roster. But more importantly, this <laughs> proves what I finally I was right that he was gone before whatever yeah, arbitrary before deadline. Yeah, I was about to compliment you that you never specified <laughs> a year. You just said yeah. before January 15th or whatever. So, yeah. So, yay. Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> but no, yeah, you're right. Like so it, it, the problem with like these moves in like a vacuum is that on its own you're like well, what the hell are they doing, right? Like yeah. that's that's not a uh, okay, so from a luxury tax standpoint, they in 2019 dollars, they end up saving. Uh, man, I had it in front of me. It was like, it's oh yeah, it's something like um, I think it was 16 million dollars, something like that. Um, because part of Bailey's thing was an option buyout, um, so yeah, whatever. But uh, so that helps them, you know, from an ownership standpoint or whatever, I guess. But like fans shouldn't care about that, honestly. Like you, mm-hmm. you basically traded like Puig is like legitimately like one of the most popular players on the team. Matt Kemp has like a huge history, and and he was with his second tour with the Dodgers. He was a All Star starter last year. Like I know he he completely tanked in the second half, but like you know he was a valuable player. Valuable player. Alex Wood was a like viable starter for like three the three and a half years they had him. Uh, I know he didn't start in the postseason this year, but man, like, and you basically traded them for for salary relief, like with, without like doing anything. That's that's I mean, something clearly has to happen like after this, I think. But you're just wondering now. It's like, um, are they just doing these like moves? Or they still have a good roster? Um, and look, look, they, they did last year, they spent like a total of $4 million in free agency in the off season. They didn't really do anything. Um, and they still made the world series again. So you're like, all right, I guess whatever. Um, but man, it's like, you know, this, this seems to be the time when you would be like pushing your chips to the center of the table type, type of thing. And like nothing has, um, indicated that whatsoever. I know there's, there's still rumors like the big fish, obviously like Bryce Harper is still out there. Um, uh, you know, they, JT Romuto is, is maybe a catching target that they're interested in. Um, maybe like the, the more it sounds like if, if Miami's like unwilling to like meet, you know, or like uh, yield, like their outrageous sort of demands, you know, well, Yasmani Grandal settle for like a shorter term deal to come back to the Dodgers. I, I mean, that's a, I, that's probably more far fetched than anything, but yeah. So they're, they're clear. They clearly need catcher. 
they're probably going to do another big move. They're still linked to like the Indians with Kluber, although who knows how far along those are, those discussions are. But it's like you, you think this move has to be the start of like you had to clear away for something. And it's just a matter of knowing what that is and waiting for it. And it's that's the sort of frustrating part about this, because like on one hand, like they could just not do anything else, you know, like we're all waiting for like something else, but they might just not. This Maybe that's just what they're doing. Um, and they're doing like maybe smaller moves on the periphery, something like that. Um, and that would be really disappointing. Uh, they did, I guess, this did clear a spot for like Alex or Dugo to play, um, which could be good. Um, but like, you know, it's also, um, I don't know. It, it seems like they're leaving a lot on the table if this was the if this is their highlight move of the winter. You mentioned it and. PR should not be the reason you make baseball trades. You should make baseball trades that you think makes the team the best this year and going forward. This strikes me as a very basketball-y kind of trade where right. in my, my head thinks it's super sound, right? You're trading a uh, bunch of guys with one year on their contract who you're probably not going to resign for a variety of reasons, uh, saving a little bit of money and getting two... Uh, more than a throw in, more than throw in prospects. They seem both seem to kind of be in the B range, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, from the reports I read, but again, that's all head and the heart. You are trading, sort of, like you mentioned, two very popular players and a potentially useful player. Alex Wood, a guy you you and I liked a lot, basically until the playoffs this year. For right. So from a PR perspective, this is a hard pill to swallow. Uh, you are. It, probably easier to get away with this move if you had won the world series but you haven't this is a market that doesn't like second place all that much i being a most of my other teams are small market teams so this is i'm happy i'm way happier than i think most la sports fans are that we've made the world series two times in a row so short of signing bryce harper and even then from a pr perspective there's probably no way to spin this move in a positive light and that's sort of this weird catch-22 if Bryce Harper is is getting these offers that are rumored that the the Nationals and possibly the possibly the Phillies are offering him. I don't think Harper's worth the you know the 10, 10 year three hundred million plus uh, that that term of a contract. So from a peer perspective, you basically either have to make this horrible trade, excuse me, um, maybe not horrible signing, but certainly very risky signing, uh, or you're just going to look bad. And the only real way you can get past that is win the damn world series. So I hope they have a plan to do some combination therein. Right. So like, you're right from a, from a PR standpoint, like they're in a tough spot um, in that, like they, they, it's like they keep squeezing the, 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 you know, the lemon, I guess, or what's, you know, just bleeding, bleeding the, the goodwill dry. I mean, Look, for five years running, they like uh, the new ownership group, like spent and spent and spent. And they, you know, average like, what was it, like $250 million payroll or whatever it was. Well, and I'll, they pay like. To give a, them credit, to give them credit while always saying, we're not going to keep this up. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. And they, they like, they paid $150 million in luxury tax alone over five years. So I get that. Um, at, at the same time, like their their payroll last year was 195 million from a luxury tax standpoint. It's like, it's it's hard to complain and say, oh my god, you're only spending 195 million. And like, 
come going into next year, like right now, they're they're going to probably be at like 180 to 185 all in if they don't do any other moves, and the the threshold's 206. So it's hard to say like, man, you're really cheap. They're not. We've we've seen cheap with the Dodgers, like we've mm-hmm. seen Frank McCourt. So like this is not that, but that's a the you know. They have uh, they're they're sitting there collecting money from the TV deal, eight point three billion over twenty five years, on a network that like what is it like half the LA market doesn't even get, and on on one hand like a lot of this is uh, a little overblown from the TV standpoint because there there's there's choices like a lot of people who who they can get Spectrum they just don't want to switch, but I also don't blame people for not wanting to switch because like some people like you know, the package they have and like, it should be on other like providers other than like spectrum charter, you know, those, those types, like it should be on direct TV. Like they should strike a deal with direct TV. It's, it's their short sightedness and, and stubbornness and bullheadedness. And the Dodgers have to own part of that, even though they can, they can claim, you know, deniability and say, look, we made our deal. We're not responsible for distributing the network. That's on them. So look, we get to be the, you know, the background here, but that's bullshit, you know, from a lot, from, for a lot of reasons, because, um, you know, they're, <laughs> they're taking the money. Like they, you know, they could take less, they could, they could do a lot of things, uh, um, to sort of force this to happen and they're not. So, um, it's it, from a fan standpoint, that's frustrating that the ticket prices have gone, have skyrocketed. Um, they've also been really good, but that's a supply and demand thing. I get it. People there's, they're skyrocketing because people will pay the prices. But at a certain point you're like, damn, like really, like you're just, you're gouging us and gouging us. And then now you're going to, this is the time when you're, you're, you're at the world, you're at the point of your competitive window. And I know you're going to always compete or whatever, but you go to two straight world series and now you're going to be like, Oh, you know what? We're going to kind of cut around the edges a little bit. Like that's, that's really frustrating. That has to be like maddening uh, to the fan base. And I don't blame anyone who's like mad at that. So they, they built up a lot of goodwill and benefit of the doubt, but without like something else to go with this trade, it's like they're eroding that like day by day. So that said, there's a lot of room up to the offseason. Bryce Harper still hasn't signed yet. So anywhere. So there's a lot is of there, time. But is like, there something? Yeah. So you, I'm not talking about the average fan because I just I think right, right, me, right. I I think pretty firmly that outside of signing Bryce Harper, most fans are going to be disappointed with this offseason. Sure, sure, sure. And I, I, I like you said, I don't blame them. Uh, like just it to lose a fan favorite for a bunch of. Here's the thing: if they well, all the Dodgers do is sign Max Muncy's, that could be the most sound way you know increase your ev your expected value to win a world championship that could be the smart thing to do but it doesn't look good and it doesn't feel good is there for you sort of i'm gonna say expert baseball fan of the los angeles dodgers is there any move outside of signing bryce harper that you would be happy with that you would kind of your 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 joy, not not your confidence, your joy with the the Freeman organization would go up from after making a trade like this. They they don't have a catcher, yeah, um, but like, that was my next question, by the way. But like that, that's like, um, so they have to do something there. Um, they um, the problem with that is um, the sort of stop app solutions are gone. Yeah, they're kind of running out of other options. Like like Wilson Ramos would have been really nice, especially like on a two year deal. Um, but he's with the Mets. So 
uh, th like, but this is not really related to that deal. So like, I mm -hmm. would say, um, honestly for me, like it's, it's Harper, uh, on, on one hand, but then also like Corey Kluber would, would satisfy that. I mm -hmm. think, um, uh, he's got a, like, he's got like a weirdly, a weird deal where he's got like one year guaranteed, but like two really team friendly options. So like the total package would be like three years and 52 and a half million, I think, which is, you know, super cheap for like an ACE level. Although one who has like more miles on his odometer the last five years than anyone else pretty much, except maybe I think Max Scherzer or something. But, um, so that, that they have to be playing in the, in the big boy field at this point. Like, um, so it, it, you know, real Muto is the big, literally the big fish out there. Um, and so, like, they have to be in play for him. I, they, the, there's like rumors going around that the Marlins are like insistent on including Bellinger in the deal. You're just like, come on, man! Like, really? Like, <laughs> get over yourself if that's 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 what you're asking. So, no, that's not going to happen. But like, like you could settle for like a stop, like um, um, a Barnes Martin Maldonado catching duo if you like sign Bryce Harper or mm -hmm. you know whatever. Like, so it's all like predicated on what the other part of this is. So, like, yeah, if they if they trade for Kluber, cool. They could probably withstand something else. And then, like, what maybe they? Uh, I, I kind of I've I've kind of come around a little bit on um J, or on uh, DJ Lemayhu. I know he has pretty bad numbers outside of Coors, but there's a lot of like uh, some of his batted ball profiles and like, uh, look pretty good and he's really good defensively. So like, I'm kind of sold on him if they decide to go that route and I don't know, but, um, just sort of thinking out loud here, like, so if it's like a Kluber LeMayhew situation or like, you know, or even like, if it's even like trade for real Muto sign LeMayhew and then figure out the outfield somewhere in there, maybe, maybe Verdugo goes in the, um, Real Muto deal, so you you move Taylor Kike sort of back to the outfield. Um, I don't know that that kind of works too. Like so, who knows? Um, but yeah, I think they just they have to be definitely players in the in the um, in sort of the deeper end of the pool right now. So that, that's sort of what I'm looking at. We'll see if they are. We are definitely coming up on. It's a uh, Bryce Harper is a Boris client, so we knew this would be. I think your prediction was. I think January 28th. And do you think we even get into February with this? Yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah. When you, I actually forgot what I answered to that, but when you said, I thought you were going to say February something and I would have been like, yep, yeah, that sounds right. Like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think it's going to be like probably February. <sighs> Remember when the off season was basically done by Christmas? Oh man. Or like, nice? yeah, like Thanksgiving stuff would happen. Like, and you're like, all right, cool. You could, yeah. It was uh, a little rough because for, people in your and I position that we'd have to January and February would be us exclusively talking about Oscar movies, but at least we'd have a set roster that we could kind of <laughs> make predictions on and run profiles on. Speaking of which we have, uh, we have oh. baseball America released their top 10 prospect list. Reading this list makes me want David hood back on real quick. Can we do that? Yeah, we should, we should schedule him at some point. Um, maybe like uh, when he's like sort of getting closer to his, like, um, finalizing his sort of prospect list for the season. Uh, maybe that's the better, better time to do it. But I, when you said, speaking of that, I, I somehow thought you were going to go into some golden globes talk because they were last night, <laughs> but 
Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't want to talk um, about movie No, yeah. So, like, I just, I, I was lax on a lot of movie seeing, especially in the second half of the year in 2018. And I'm like, some, seeing some of the winners last night, I'm like, oh, I didn't miss much. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. and, 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 like, even without seeing some of these movies, I'm like, it seemed like other movies got robbed. <laughs> like, so, whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, so the prospects, the, the, I guess the big story there is that uh, Bear Ruiz is is the top prospect now. Um, he he sort of he surpassed Alex Verdugo, who still has prospect status because um, he sort of barely played um, in the last two years in the majors. Doesn't quite have the um, hasn't lost his rookie status yet. So uh, he's number two. Gavin Lux is third. Dustin May has sort of uh, steadily ro- risen in the last few years. He's fourth. He's pitcher. Then Will Smith, the other catching prospect who's like closer to the majors, is is fifth. And Caleb Ferguson, who was basically in the majors for four months last year, uh, sixth. Dennis Santana, seven. Tony Gonsolin, eight. Mitchell White, nine. And then DJ Peters, ten. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, 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 you, get, you get excited about, like, Ruiz especially. I think Gavin Lux has really sort of come along. Um the last year or so. Um, so he's, he's sort of building back up his uh, value there. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have a ton to add about this, but they just affect their release. I'm sure we'll get some other um, uh, prospect lists in the next few weeks. I'm sure uh, heading into the season. I just like to, I realize this is more geared towards David hood, but I figure, you know, a little bit, how does uh, Kybert Ruiz project you, you, his name comes up all the time when you talk about the Dodgers, sort of top, top prospects alongside Verdugo really all of last year. and But then I'm looking in uh, the sort of the best tools in the organization, and he's not, as far as I can tell, glancing real quick, at the bottom of this list is getting cut off. Yeah, he's not listed once. So is he just sort of an all-around package guy? Is he definitely, is he more with the bat? Um, how, how? Why are we excited about him? Why is he number one on this list? So I think it's he's like a um, he's a pretty solid like all around player I guess I get, think the most impressive part about him as a pro has been his bat and he's a switch hitter um, but I think ultimately like it seems like he's going to be a middle of the order type bat so that's like obviously very valuable especially as a catcher and that, but also that um, uh, he I I was I'm just reading sort of his his write up on uh, Baseball America and when he was signed. Um, uh, out of Venezuela, like he was known more for his defense. So like he actually is, is not bad defensively. Like, so, you know, it's not like he's just a bat who's playing at catcher to, they stick him there to create more value. But like, so he, he could actually be like a, you know, pretty good catcher, but also a great bat. Um, so I think that's sort of the value there. Plus he's like still super young. Um, so I think that's sort of part of it, but um, the, the potential there is like, if you, you can probably improve his defense a little bit and, and get him like plus, uh, like plus plus on both sides or whatever, and, and, and that sort of makes him very attractive. Um, so, yeah, like he's he's been like the youngest player in his league for a couple of years, or like among the youngest players. So, like um, I think that's sort of something to sort of uh, you know look at. Like same thing with like Alex Verdugo; he's still only like I think he's just going to turn or he just turned 22. And so he's like still really young and he's already played like two years, two full years in triple a. So, um, or, uh, so, and he's, I think he's not, he's going to be 23 next this, this season, but like, that's still really young. Um, so like they, they're, they're getting guys who 
you know, uh, have still room to develop, but also are like playing at a very high level. Um, so that tends to bode well, like going forward. Now, I know you wanted to introduce something new this week. Before we get that, I think you also wanted to talk about just arbitration getting going. Yeah. So now we're getting to that sort of procedural part of the off season where, um, you know, all the, uh, you know, salary arbitration is starting and, um, you know, the Dodgers, like the, we already had one deadline in this off season. It was back, um, at the end of November, uh, when teams, um, you decided to either tender a contract or not to all your sort of arbitration eligible players. And at that time, the Dodgers actually, they signed a one-year deal with, um, Tony Singrani, and so, and then they they actually released a bunch of guys who were who were eligible for arbitration. So they they still have a bunch of arbitration um, players left, but sort of the the next sort of deadline of sorts is is this Friday. It's the exchange date where um, you know teams and players are not prohibited from negotiating after this date, but a lot of teams choose not to negotiate after this date so they could still make a deal like heading into uh you know say if if they if it comes to an arbitration hearing like which would be in february uh, they could still negotiate up to that hearing so it's it's not like a the the, the idea is for these these teams to sort of the teams and players to like make deals and find a way in the center but so where this friday comes in the friday is the deadline friday um what is that january 11th um uh, team, the team submits a, their final figure and the players submit a final figure. And ideally they meet somewhere in the middle, but if they don't, um, that's where they head to arbitration. They argue against each side. So um, the Dodgers haven't gone to arbitration in like a dozen years since Joe Bimel. So I don't, I don't really expect them to again. Oh, you never know. Um, so uh, I think all these guys are going to go in the, um, end up signing, but the big names here are. Um, I actually forgot the total count because some of the guys are gone. But, not here anymore, right? Yeah, so like Corey Seager, Chris Taylor um, are going to be first timers in arbitration, and then Kike and Jock still are, are, are in their second year of arbitration. So they're um, that's for then Pedro Baez, Josh Fields, and Yimmy Garcia. So they they just said they have seven left um, going through arbitration. So I think it's all going to be sort of you'll see a lot of like deals trickle in by the end of the week but that that's basically it for arbitration okay i only know very little about what you wanted to talk about so i'm just going to throw it to you okay so i wanted to do something uh i think we'll try it for a little bit if it works it works if not we'll scrap it and never never talk about it again uh it's basically like a sort of a dodgers rewind of sorts um uh, I have a lot of old like media guides and a couple and my uncle a year or two ago sent me a bunch of Dodgers yearbooks from the 1960s. And so my idea was to just sort of, oh, and baseball cards to uh, go through some of those and, and like look at some fun things or, you know, fun facts about players and then sort of, um, uh, you know, go, you know, like talk about like for not forgotten Dodgers, but just sort of what they were sort of thought of at the time. So today uh, I, I'm going to do uh, uh, Willie Crawford. And my first question to you is what do you know about Willie Crawford? I know very little. We've talked about this before where 
as a Dodger historian, I am certainly lacking. Sure. So um, he. That's why I'm excited and, to hear like, you. Yeah, and so like, and like, look, I it, I don't really blame him. He he played like before. I like he was his Dodger time was before I was born. So like like even for me, like it's I didn't see him ever see him play. So like, um, and. So I sort of get that. Like uh, his time with the Dodgers was 1964 to 75, and then he only played like two years in the majors after that. So, um, uh, so basically, the the the, um, the sort of short story on Willie Crawford. He was he went to Fremont High School in Los Angeles. Uh, Tommy Lasorda was the scout that signed that signed him. Uh, so he was like a you know multi sport uh, star in high school. And this was two years before the draft. So there, you know, there was no like draft. You just basically like you signed who you could. And that meant a lot of like local signings and especially. And so the Dodgers got, they kept the guy from Los Angeles in Los Angeles. And then, but the sort of the deal at the time under the old rule, Sandy Koufax went through this, um, you know, like a decade prior. Willie Crawford signed for like a hundred thousand dollar bonus, which was huge at the time. Like it was. I, it wasn't like a record, but it was like near the sort of the top end of like what what guys got in the draft. So he was signed in 1964. He played a little bit that season, but as as the rule went, it was almost like a rule five, uh, the equivalent of like a rule five today, um, in that you were considered a quote unquote bonus baby, and so you had to stay for a year on the active roster. So like. This happened with Sandy Koufax in 1955. He he like barely pitched for the Dodgers that year, but but he just signed, um, and they had they actually um, um, cut Tommy Lasorda off the roster to to make room for Koufax famously. And like you know, even though Koufax was like nowhere near ready for the majors, but like you know whatever they 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 knew his future was bright, so they kept him. Same thing with Willie Crawford in 1965. Um, he he barely played like the, he was on the. Imagine having like I know the Dodgers they play with like thirteen pitchers a lot now, so you you have a lot of guys who just don't play. But like imagine having a guy on on your roster who did this. He was on the on the roster all year, fifty two games played. How many plate appearances do you guess Willie Crawford might have gotten in nineteen sixty five? So un- unfortunately, when you uh, pointed out that I knew very little, I brought his baseball reference side up. So oh, I, okay. I know, I know. <laughs> okay. So I'll just tell you that. Uh, so he, he he played in 53 games that year. He only started six times, which is kind of amazing to be on the roster the whole year and only start six times. Uh, he 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 batted 29 times total, uh, which is crazy. And uh, like, uh, but he then again, like he had he had just turned like 18. Um, this, he's turned 19 in September 65. And this is so, another thing of small sample size, but the number that jumped out to me when looking at the uh, 65 year is an OPS plus oh, of five. five. <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, and like, whatever. Like, uh, but I want to read to you. This is from, and then so that he spent the next two years in the major in the minors, basically. He, he, he got like five total plate appearances next year because he was developing in the minors like you should at that age. But um, so I'm looking at the 1968 um, Dodgers yearbook. This is at the beginning of the year. Um, they, they have like sort of blurbs on everybody. And I, I'm just going to read to you verbatim what this says in here. Because some of these are interesting. You know, you'll find this. Sometimes they're not. But like 
I'm just going to read this. Um, uh, this is uh, this is something from the team writing this, so like it's there's a little you just have it with that tint in your head. Um, just when the Dodgers began to despair over the fact that Willie fanned too often, he began making consistent contact, wound up uh, the Texas League with a 305 average, and was selected on the Double A All Star team. And his 21 homers represented the best output of his career in that department. He followed that campaign with winter ball in Arizona, where the Dodgers staff was impressed by his take-charge attitude and his excellent defensive play in the center field. Crawford, signed by the Dodgers for a bonus of $100,000, has three years of minor league baseball. He was forced to remain at the big, leagues, uh, big league Dodgers in 1965 at the age of 17, had the thrill of going to bat twice in the World Series. Uh, and then, But I love about this, so uh, this gets mentioned a lot. He has a 500 average to show for it. So they could have just said he was one for two. But, like, uh, it was brought up multiple times. I'm looking – so I have a couple of baseball cards of his up. Um, and, I, oh, yeah, okay, so his 1971 tops um, – wait, is this 71? Yes, 1971 tops also says – hit 500 as a pinch hitter in 1965 world series like it doesn't he could just say one for two like like 500 <laughs> implies that he was i don't know it, it seemed to me like that's the minimum you can do after go 500 but whatever but also what's amazing to me is this is like a dodger publication you never see like teams like acknowledge the salaries or amounts and stuff but they're like in the dodger yearbook they're like yep he signed for a bonus of a hundred thousand dollars like like they made it like a big thing, right? Like you'll never hear that. So on one of his baseball cards, 1974 tops, it says received a reported a hundred thousand dollars to sign with the Dodgers. Um, trying to think, Oh, I guess I, th Oh, it says it in the 1973 media guide as well. I think he mentions it. <laughs> so like, man, they, they wanted to get that out there, man. He, he got a hundred thousand um, dollars. I will note his, um, 1970 tops notes uh what a his sort of high school exploits um says a great high school star willie ran the 100 yard dash in 9.6 and the 220 in 21.2 but okay they ran the the 220 like i know there, <laughs> there used to be like I, i've heard of the 110 you know like a little bit but like everyone like figured out like no like we're just gonna run a 100 yard dash not this 110 business but a 220 seems like odd uh, then he said, twice cleared 25 feet in the long jump and made the all Los Angeles football team one year. And then then added he was the – in 1967, he led his league in runs. This this must have been in uh, – this is when Albuquerque was double A. And uh, he was the tops player of the month, but it does not say what month. <laughs> it's just this. Um, and then the old baseball cards um, – uh, it had like these ant weird animations on there, like almost like a cartoon. And then uh, Willie once hit two consecutive homers against Bob Gibson. Uh, he actually uh, he, he appeared in the 1974 World Series with the Dodgers too. He homered uh, in that. He he didn't um, he didn't play a ton. He he was two for six in that World Series with a uh, home run. But uh, so yeah, he overall like pretty. Productive. I forgot to mention too. His 1969 tops also mentioned the 500 World Series batting average. So, like, they they really were on it. But um, that's that's kind of it. Um, then his, um, I wanted to say too. Uh, so he was an outfielder. He played like all three positions pretty much. 
they ended up trading him to the Cardinals at, before the 1976 season for Ted Sizemore, and that sort of ended his his Dodgers career. He ended his his uh, Dodgers career with a 118 OPS plus um, in uh, what was it like three? Yeah, 3,200 uh, plate appearances, roughly. So. If you set the minimum to like 2,000 plate appearances, um, his 118 OPS plus, pretty productive, uh, ranks 39th in franchise history. Uh, but like to give you an idea where he's at, um, he's just ahead of like Dusty Baker, Mike Marshall, and Manny Moda. And then like a, a sliver below uh, Adrian Gonzalez and Jeff Kent, both of them were at 119. So he, uh, in 1973, he had a five-win season, basically. Um and like this, this shows you like obviously the war didn't exist in 1973, so like nobody knew. But like if I'm looking at his 1974 tops card, which had his um, 1973 season as the most recent, and you see here that he had 26 doubles and 14 home runs, 66 RBIs, and a 295 average. And really, like a lot of his value that year, like he had 78 walks, um, but uh, you know. And he ended up with like with uh, with five point three WAR because he was really really good defensively. So uh, it, you know you don't really it's, you don't always the baseball back of the baseball card doesn't always tell the whole story. I guess is my point on that. But um, the other thing is like for all the talk about how how fleet of foot he was and how speedy he was in his career in his in his entire career uh, fourteen seasons he only stole forty seven bases and he was caught thirty six times. So it never really translated, but. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. That That's sort of the direction I was going to go in. Like I, there's, there's a few others, uh, I'm sure that we'll get to that have like, uh, more interesting, some of these media guides, especially the older ones, they get a lot more colorful, like with some, they actually have quotes from like some of the scouts and stuff. So they're kind of funny to look at, um, in, in retrospect, but, uh, that's sort of the idea on this, but yet to sort of put the bow on Crawford, he actually, he, he died in 2004. Uh, he was relatively young. Um, he was, I think he was, yeah, he was only 58 when he died or almost 58, five or about 10 days sh shy of his uh, 58th birthday. So that's pretty sad. But yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of it. So a lot of people didn't really know. I think a lot of people, um, I would, they, I would say they, they, you know, he's considered almost like a bust because he was like a, he was a bonus baby and a top prospect. And he never really, he didn't really pan out to like an all-star player or anything like that. But he was pretty productive for, like, when he was around. I think he's, like, sort of equivalent to Mike Marshall in that regard, the second one. Uh, he was minor league player of the year with the Dodgers, and then uh, he hit home runs and stuff. But, he, you know, he was his, – his claim to fame now is, like, being, like uh, – they called him General Soreness because he sat out games with that. And so they called him General Soreness. And he, <laughs> he, he dated Belinda Carlisle of the Go-Go's, and uh, that's sort of – what people know him more for the, and rather than his production, but he ended up like, he's right in that, like, um, uh, Willie Crawford production range. So I think it, it's kind of, you know, you could say he's a bust, but he was also like pretty darn productive as well. So I don't know, uh, pretty, uh, pretty unique player, I would say, or just, you know, it, it, interesting. Oops. Sorry. I'll forgive you. Uh, pretty interesting player. Um, overall. Yeah. So yeah, that's no, that's I'm my looking Willie forward Crawford to more story. of these because there are uh, you call it the Willie Crawford range, and 
yeah, they're like I know sort of the top top stars uh, of yesteryear and vaguely what they were about and some stories about them. But it's yeah, the you know the top fifty to twenty five guys probably probably know way less than I should. So I'm excited right. for you to and, teach me, Eric. And like uh, I would just I'm coming. I don't want to ruin it, but I was just glancing in the. Um, in the 1973 media guide looking for another Willie Crawford thing. But I came across a name that I don't want to say who it is, but it, he has a very important um, role in Dodger history and not necessarily for what he did. So uh, I think I'm going to include him at some point. Well, I'm uh, yeah. All right. So that, I guess that, that's kind of it for us. Uh, last time we, uh, you know, I guess since we recorded last, the Joe Kelly move did become official. This was all like, in the day, the day or so after we recorded last time, so maybe, maybe now that we record again, like the Dodgers will do a move or, or two, like like right now. So let's let's hope we'll have something more to talk about uh, substantial. Yeah, next it feels week, like other they're, than... it feels like the team is two moves, either one very big move or two sort of medium yeah. moves. Maybe one big, one medium. Yeah, we need we need something to have a roster that we can talk about. <laughs> we we need something to talk about next week, other than. Corey Seager settled for 4.7 million or, you know, whatever, like, so that's going to be very boring. But anyway, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Happy new year. And we will see you next week.